I want to go on. You remember we were talking about um, uh, you can't be a friend of the world without being the enemy of God. Uh, and so often, uh, especially in this modern age, Americans, um, bless them, uh, try to tell you you can befriend people and evangelism's by friendship. Uh, and that's what they put over, it's a lie, the devil comes from the pit. Uh, I want to go on and talk about the deceptions uh, that have come into the church. Um, because what we need is fellowship. And we need, friendship is not something that um, you should give to anyone. I do not become friends with worldly people. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be part of them. Thank you very much. They've got a different lifestyle from me. I'm not interested in walking their way, being like them. If you want to live like a child of hell, clear off. Don't come to church. End of story. If you want to turn and repent, fine. You can be part of the family of God. But you most certainly can't live a worldly lifestyle amongst the saints of God because that is not what Christianity is about. Uh, we're the family of God. And there's, there's been such a, a watering down and kind of an idea that anything goes. I hear in London there's a big church where they say, doesn't matter how you dress, well I want to tell you it does. Doesn't matter how you behave, I want to tell you it does. It matters what you are. Uh, and don't ever get the idea that it's freedom to do what you like. The Church of Jesus Christ has standards and has a way of living and a lifestyle that is biblical, godly, and cannot be compromised. And I want to talk about fellowship. We, we talked... Now fellowship has a positive and a negative side. Uh, and I want to deal with the positive first, and then we'll come on to the negative. But you need, if you've got a pen, you need to write down the scriptures. Read them for yourself. Now what I say is in the book. You might not like it, but it's in the Bible and you're going to have to eat it, whether you like it or not. That's it. I'm a Bible man, I don't give... Uh, 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 well, I just don't care what anyone believes. If it's not in the book, I don't believe it. Uh, and there's only one book, that's the Word of God. And that's what I believe. I'm a great believer in the Bible. Uh, and I make no apologies, I 100% believe it, I 100% stand by it. If the Bible says it, that's it. The Bible says that Jonah was uh, swallowed by a big fish. If it says that Jonah swallowed a whale, I'd believe that too. I don't have any... God created heaven and earth, and all that therein is in six days. If it said six seconds, I'd believe it. If it said six million years, I'd believe it. It actually says six days, that's it. And your right of appeals vanished. God said it, that's the end of it. Um, I, I'm a believer, I'm a fundamentalist. I'm not ashamed of it. When I got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, I could not but believe what God said. Up to that point, I couldn't believe it at all. So that's the way it is. Now, the positive side, and, and 
Uh, fellowship's distinctly spiritual, and it has distinctly spiritual meaning, and you'll find it over, and we're going to go through the scriptures, John 17, verse 21 we start at, John's Gospel, chapter 17. If you've got a pen, mark down the scriptures, keep a note of them, read them when you get home. If you want to get upset, send a letter to God, tell him you don't like it. I'm sure he'll take notice of you. You know, there's too many people who want to always apologize. I don't apologize for anything. That's the end of it. In John 17 verse 21 it says this, That they may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now look, the world, to believe that Christ came and was true, they need to see the believers are one in Christ. You won't convince people, uh, there's a lot of churches where there's just schism and division. That's why I say, if you like what I preach, God bless you, keep coming, if you don't like it, clear off. Um, the reason for that is, you can't be one. If two can't agree as touching anything, they can in no wise walk together. And in a church, you've got to decide, am I totally committed, one heart, one mind, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, am I committed to what is preached, or am I not? If you're not, clear off. Because you don't belong. That's it. And Jesus, he said, look, I want them to be one. Jesus didn't have disputes with Father. He didn't argue about things. He said, whatever I hear the Father say, that's what I say. What I see the Father do, that's what I do. It's called unity. And then he goes on, verse 22, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now we're to be in the same unity together as God the Father and God the Son are in unity. That's how we're to be in the world. That's how people know that Jesus is the Christ. By our oneness. That's what a church should be. Now outside of that, it's not Christianity, it's heathenism, it's religion. And you find all over the world that people go to church and they all have their own opinions. And it goes something like this. Well, I take the meat and I throw out the bones. Where is that in the Bible? It isn't. What it is is an excuse for disobedience. What it is, is an excuse for compromise. What it is, is someone saying, I know better than what God says, so I'll choose what I want to believe and I'll choose what I don't want to believe. That's the way it is. You can say, well, you know, you, know, you can choose. No, you can't. It's not, it's not an option. really is an option. Now when I go to a conference, I'll listen to what people say and, and if I agree with it, fine, and if I don't agree with it, 
I'll look for what I can agree with, but I'm not part of that church. I'm not claiming to be one with them. I went to a conference, if we have a conference speaker here, then he comes along and, and if he says something that's a load of rubbish, I'll tell you straight after he's gone, I'll get up and say, well that was a load of rubbish. Why? Because I'm the pastor. Why? Because a church is a oneness. Huh? We need to know what we believe, we all identify with it, we're going on with it, that's our vision, that's what God set us to be in the earth. Right, we're one in Christ. As the Father is one, so am I one. Is that clear? Mm, you're all looking quiet. That's plain, isn't it? Look, and the glory which thou gavest me, I've given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Hey, one of the ways the world knows that we are loved by God is our unity. No unity, how are you going to believe? That's why I can't stand big churches where uh, there's a load of people coming, they come on a Sunday, you don't see them for the rest of the week. That's not a church. That's a travesty. People think Sunday church is not church. If you're in the church, you're part of the family. If you're not part of the family, you don't belong. Don't ever believe coming on a Sunday makes you a Christian. Coming on a Sunday makes you religious. Being part of the family of God means you're part of the church. You're committed to the vision of the church. You're committed to the life of the church. And you're part of the family. And if you're part of the family and you're part of the church, then you best show you are by your life and your actions. And if you don't do that, who's going to believe you? I certainly won't. You're a visitor. You visit on a Sunday. Fine. That's what you are. But you don't belong. Belonging's more than that. You have to be one. One with God. One with one another. Don't ever get this idea that you can come into church and you can be one by a visit. You can't. Get married. You say at the wedding, well, I'll see you once a week. Uh, let's choose the day. You know, like one of the royal family married that woman, you know, I don't know what they are. Edward. Married this woman, you know, they kind of live separate. You can't do that. I mean, if you're committed to a person, you're committed to them. You live with them, don't you? You might regret it, but you, you have to live with them. <laughs> you know? Tell people I've been married 30 years and you only get 14 for murder. And, and like the optimistic Irishman who always went to the town hall once a year to see whether his marriage license had expired yet. Um, 
Oh, dear. <laughs> You're committed to each other, aren't you? <laughs> and some of you should be committed. Um, and there you are. And yet, in church, the oneness and unity is considered not a thing that's necessary. And people say, oh, well, you know, I just go to this church, I go to that church. There's they're no involvement of life. But if you're a Christian, you're totally involved in life. If you're a spirit-filled person, your life is involved in the church. Otherwise, you're not a Christian. You're just religious. You're a fraud. The Bible says, Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Some have that manner and some have no manners. Not to be part of the church. Oh, you do understand that. Okay, I'm just making it plain. If you don't like it, as I said, God bless you, don't come back. Uh, it just shows you don't belong. There are lots of people that just don't belong. It says in, in general, you know, there are spots in the feast. Father, verse 24, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen? That's Christianity. One with Christ, one with God the Father. The world don't know anything about it. That's why friendship with the world makes you the enemy of God. Try and be friendly with the world, you become the enemy of God. Why? They don't know anything about God the Father, they don't know anything about God the Son. Can't understand it, can never enter into it, forget it. They live by a different lifestyle, different values, different ways. It's not like you. That's it, that's what a Christian is. Uh, you'll find over in Philippians chapter 2. If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. Love, one accord, one mind. One thing in, in a church is, you all think the same way, you believe the same way, you live the same way. Why? Because you're all one in Christ. If you're not one in Christ, you're not a Christian. 1 John chapter 1 verse 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Fellowship with the Father and with Jesus Christ. Uh, and that is Christianity. In a word, you're all one. One mind, one heart, one accord, one purpose, one goal, everything. Now that is a church. Outside of that is not church. It's religion. 
Uh, and what I've found today, all over the world, is lots of places where there are preaching centres where people get up and it's an entertainment and they go, yippity da they do their little dancing, they have their worship group, they have their emotional freak out, but when the church is over, they walk out the door and that's it till next week. That is not Christianity. Christianity is seven days a week, seven nights a week, 365 days a year. It's life. And if you're part of the true people of God and family of God, you're committed to the life of God. And if you're not committed to the life of God, you're not a Christian. And when you're born again, you're kind of born into the family. Okay? Is that plain? I don't know if I can make it any plainer. Um, but there we are. And then, not only is your fellowship with the Father and with the Son, but it's also with believers. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, 42. Goes on. Acts 2.42 says this and they continued steadfastly in the apostles teaching and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came on every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common they sold their possessions of good and parted them to all men as every man had need and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart and by the way the breaking of bread there does not refer to the kind of paganism that's coming to the church where it's the Lord's table every Sunday that is a religious ritual God deliver us from it that means they had meals together broke bread from house to house doesn't mean someone ran round with a little bottle of wine and a little piece of bread saying let's all break bread together when I, when I sit down to eat and have fellowship I break bread with people that means we have a meal if you invite me round for a meal, don't you just put a loaf and a bottle of wine on the table. I want roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. See? Or something decent to eat, don't I? So do you. Hmm? They broke bread from house there. means they lived in fellowship. There was, a, there was a commonality of life. Lifestyle. They were given to hospitality. But what has happened is the church of Jesus Christ likes to make rituals of things. So all of a sudden you've got this ritual. Ah, dear. And, um, praising God verse 47 and having favour with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved now look uh, there's a daily adding to the church such as should be saved and if God doesn't add them to the church better you don't add them the only reason that we dare to have fellowship with people is based on one thing you'll find that in Ephesians 2 verse 4 but God 
who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. One thing I want you to notice, if you read the scriptures, look at this. In verse 5, when we were dead in sin, he quickened us together with Christ. He raised us up together. He made us sit together. You see, in church, if you've had true salvation, there's a togetherness. It's not, well, he had this experience, they had that experience, they had, uh, and never do they meet, hey, it's together. Ephesians makes it plain, it's a togetherness, not a separation. That in the ages to come he may show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. In other words, we're all saved by grace. But we're together. We've been raised together. We're seated together. What believers share in common with God is relationship. They also share God's character. You know, don't, don't ever think believers... Uh, if you're part of the life of God and Christ lives in you, you share God's character. Why? Because God lives in you. So you show forth his life. You have the treasure in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. It's togetherness. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation, that's manner of life. Because it is written, be you holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. In other words, don't be careless about the way you live. Be holy as he's holy. You've got to, to, to say you live a Christian life and you're a Christian and, and then not to live that way is wrong, isn't it? 1 Peter 1.15 uh, It's wrong. And there's so many people that come along and they say, oh, I'm a Christian, but they live like devils. Well, if you live like a devil, that's what you are. Christ in you. Is that plain? Verse 18, For as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, that's manner of life, received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, was, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. John 13, verse 34. John 13, verse 34. 
A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, love has to be in deed and in truth, not in word. I'm amazed how many people, when you start a letter, you put dear Mr. So-and-so, dear, he's not dear to you. Why do you use a term of endearment when with a lot of the people you're going to write to them and tell them how awful they are? You call them dear at the beginning and then tell them a load of reprobates. What hypocrisy, that's the world's way. See? Not, not the Christian way. Dear nothing. Never thought the world wants us to all be nice to one another. Until you belong to Christ, then they hate you, want to kill you, wipe you out. They're against God. You're for God. They're against God. So hey, they're going to do everything to wipe you out. Glory to God. That's why it's good to be a forthright Christian, because then you know who your friends are. Doesn't matter what they think, we're on the winning side. God before us, who can be against us? Amen? We're not one of those that worries about things, but it's just nice to know. If you're one of these compromisers, they don't know who you belong to, and you don't know who you belong to, it's terrible. Got to get up and be straight. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, Be you followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, for a sweet-smelling savour. Ephesians 5 1. Okay? Need a look at it, make sure it's there. It might be that it wasn't there. Be followers of God as dear children. Walk in love. You know, love is a great thing. You've got to love people. You love the brethren. See, I know who's of God and who isn't. Simple. I've got an acid test. Dead simple. A person has to be born again and filled in with the Spirit to love me. It's a requirement. They couldn't do it without. And that's good. I worry when people can be loved by everyone, something wrong. You see, one thing that God forbade in every sacrifice you read in Leviticus was honey. Honey was never to be in any sacrifice. Why? Because God hates natural sweetness in any sacrifice. You can't allow natural sweetness. And the trouble is the church of God is full of natural sweetness, not full of the anointing of God's Spirit. Natural sweetness is a dangerous thing. There are people who are naturally kind of charismatic. Thank God I'm not. You wouldn't say I was the person you'd like to make friends with on a dark night. 
I'm just not like that. I'm not one of these gushy, gooey people. Oh, you know, God bless you. As far as I'm concerned, you want to go God's way, praise God. Let's go together. You don't want to go to God's way, clear off. That's it. Why? Because I have an intent and a purpose in my life. That's it. It, I, I don't want to entangle myself with things that aren't going to be right in God. Don't get entangled with the affairs of this life. I find people want to be entangled with everything. Not me, I, I, I'm out. Alright? Is that fair enough? Negativity to this side of fellowship. There's love. And love's wonderful. But I can't love everyone. You say, well, you should love it. No, I shouldn't. You say, well, Jesus said, love your enemies. Yeah, but it's not with carnal love. Uh, you see, God love, how do you love your enemies? You preach the truth to them, you warn them to repent and turn. What you don't do is you don't become chummy with them. <coughs> Believers should have no fellowship with unbelievers. I can't be in fellowship with them. It means that I shouldn't share in their sinful lifestyles. And the amazing thing is, if you want to be a friend with an unbeliever, you have to share in their sinful lifestyle, because that's the way they live. If you want to be around them, you've got to share in their lifestyle, but you can't. You're a Christian. A certain thing, I just, I just sorry, I'm just not, I'm not going to the pub with you. You want to go to the pub? I remember years ago when I was in business, I, I was a Christian, filled with the Holy Ghost. They all wanted to go off the pub to booze. And they'd booze themselves silly. Well, I, I'm just not interested in that, thank you very much. Not my way of life. You want to go and do that, you clear off and do it. But don't expect me to join you. That's part of life of hell, isn't it? But there's a lot of people that, that their lifestyle is something that, that is worrying. They say, oh, well, it doesn't matter, you know. How do you win people? Well, you go to the pub. Hey, no way. No, 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 no. You don't win people to Christ. I remember two girls of a well-known evangelist in England. His daughters came. One of them, well, they turned up to my meeting years ago, one of them, um, she had such a low-cut dress, you could almost see a navel. Um, I mean, it was terrible, and it was so high, I told her, don't you ever come to my church dressed like that. Said, you look like a whore. Told her. Her father rang me up. Well-known evangelist. He said, hey, he said, don't you talk to my daughter like that. I said, I will. She's not welcome in my church, dressed like that. He said, but how can you win people to Christ? I said, it wasn't winning them to Christ she was interested in. It was getting them into bed. I said, and she wouldn't have had to undress much to get them there either. He got very angry at me. He said, I hear you don't let your people go to discos. I said, they're free to go to a discos, but they better not come back to church. He said, what do you mean? He said, how can you win people to Christ if you don't go to where the world is? If you don't go to the discos? I said, we're not part of that lifestyle. 
We're saved. We're born again. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We don't live that way. He said, oh, he said, you're one of them, are you? I said, I am. God deliver us from Christians who compromise. It's wrong. I find they let their kids go along to discos. I'll tell you, they won't win Christ there, and they, they, I'll tell you what they'll do, they'll end up in hell. It's wrong. I don't believe in it. Oh, he said, you won't win the loss that way. Rock music, I won't have rock music in the church. Someone wants rock music, clear off. You say, oh, it's Christian rock, there's no such thing. No such thing. Part of hell's life. I want to bring it in and tell you it's alright. You young people, mark my words, the music you listen to will infect you. You listen to the wrong music and the wrong things, it'll infect your lifestyle, it'll infect you. Mindless zombie beat. It's wrong. Has a tremendous effect on the soul. That's how they make millions, these record companies. Why they feed a lust and a drive in people and they get hold of them and the people get caught up in that lust and that drive and it's devilish. There was a time years ago, many years ago, when the Beatles ended up at a Royal Command performance. Everyone thought what nice young men they were. There they were in their kind of beetle haircut and beetle, can't buy me love. It wasn't long before they were finding a guru over in India taking drugs, the flower power came and they were out of their tiny minds. These nice young men suddenly became people who wanted to get in a bed with someone uh, and, and go on television jumping around like a filthy pervert, John Lennon. The world is evil. We're not part of it, we belong to God. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't want to be part. You say, well, how do you win them? I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that are sick to death of the emptiness of their lives. They want something that's real. His name is Jesus. They want something that changes them. His name is Jesus. They want healing. His name is Jesus. They want deliverance. His name is Jesus. They don't want to find the church when they get there, it's just like where they've come from, except it's second rate. You go in most church music, it's second rate. God doesn't want that for his church. Hey, when people come in, they need to know the difference. When they hear the music, they need to hear the words of life. 
You go into some churches and a choir sings and you've not got a clue what they're singing. Or the group's up the front and they're twanging on those horrible things called guitars. I thought it was a disease. Oh no, it's Qatar, isn't it? But, horrible. And they twang away. There's nothing spiritual about those foul instruments. And they sing and you can't understand the words and it's probably better you don't. Knowing what some of the words are. And their lives are a total contradiction. And you've got some long-haired, pimply-faced fellow beating the drums so loud your eardrums are vibrating. And they say, well, worship God. Oh. Terrible, isn't it? I hate it. Well, when they come to church, they should find, hey, you know, every song should challenge your lifestyle. Every song should be to you either ministering life or challenging. That's what it's for. We're not here to be entertained, we're here to lift up Jesus. That's the only purpose. I like to sing. I enjoy the choir. But I know this, it's lifestyle that counts. That's all that counts. There's negativity, let's look at it. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. I mentioned this on Friday, I want to mention it again. You shouldn't have fellowship with unbelievers, you don't want to share in their sinful lifestyles. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14, be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now this is nothing to do with marriage as I said before, that's what it's used for, it's to do with life. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Balaam? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Well, what part do you have with an infidel? None. There's nothing in life, an infidel's an infidel. If someone wants to live wrong, I have no part with them at all. That's it. I'm nothing. Not going to be party to anything they do. Let me explain something to you, and I, I, I want to talk specifically. I, I find there's a lot of attitude that people say, oh well it's alright to go and if you've got relatives that, that are wrong, you know, keep up a relationship with your relatives. Well if my relatives are going to go against God, I have no relationship with them, I have no part with them. If they want to live like infidels, forget it. I'm not interested. My family is the family of Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus, my family belongs to Jesus. I'm like Jesus when he, we, they came to him and said, your mother and your brethren are outside. He said, who are my mother and brethren? They that hear the word of God and do it. That's it. I got a new family when I was born again. I was born into the family of God. Uh, and that's it. I don't have a natural family. I have a spiritual family. 
There was a time when I walked according to the flesh. I want to know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's it. I'm not interested. Why? They try and drag you down back to their worldly state. They say, oh well, you know, you've got to be friendly. Well, why? If they want to live like devils, I don't want to be part of them. If you don't like it, that's it. Too often I see people, they compromise their lifestyle because of family. And Jesus said, don't. A man's enemies are those of his own household. I believe he was right. At the time you say, well, shouldn't you care about your relatives? Well, if you care about them, you'll find that you end up compromising your life. Do I visit them at Christmas? No. Why? I have a family. It's called the family of God. That's who I acknowledge. I'd rather spend my time with the family of God and the people of God, those who go with God, than I'd spend my time with people who want to live like devils, wouldn't you? I'd rather spend my time with people I can fellowship with and enjoy and, and really be at one with than people who just live like devils. I'm just amazed. Be you not unequally yoked with unbelievers. You say, oh but they're my relative therefore I'm yoked with them. No you're not. When you got born again you got de-yoked. You're like a yolkless egg. You got de-yoked. You became yoked to the Lord Jesus Christ. You became one with him. You became of the family of God. God's your father. Jesus Christ is your brother. You're alive in God. Amen? You know, and that's, that's the family you belong to. But, oh no, humanism says, oh no, don't you know you're related to Not a bit of it. You hear me? I tell you, one way to destroy your children is let your relatives feed in their filth. And buy books, the books went in the bin. I don't need that. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. That's it. I, I, I decide what comes in my house and what doesn't. That's it. You say, well that's very narrow. Yeah, straight is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many go in there at, but narrow is the gate, straight is the way that leadeth to life. I want to be in that way. Don't you? Huh? Oh, you say, but that's unreasonable. Yeah, it is unreasonable. It's godly. Hmm. Verse 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, 
Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. But you see, to be his sons and daughters, you have to come out and be separate. There's a separation comes in life. You make a choice of separation. No separation, no life. God won't own you if you don't separate yourself from sinners. Today, in the modern world, everyone's got to join in with everyone. It's called acceptance. It's called political correctness. Called tolerance. Well, I'll tolerate all the true sons of God who are born of God's Spirit. Wonderful. When they love Jesus, we're one in Christ. Amen? But outside of that, no relationship. Outside of that, forget it. Well, you can write me off as a fanatic if you like. I want to tell you something. That's what the Bible teaches. And you either believe it or you don't. If you don't like it, well, so, oh, oh, well how are you going to win them? I'll tell you how you win them. You win them by miracles. You win them by healing. You win them by letting them know there is an answer in life. There is a deliverer. There is a Jesus. What you don't do, you don't win them by compromise. We're saying to people, you've got to leave sin to come to Christ. We're not saying to people, you can carry on in your old lifestyle. We're saying you can't. But if they find you're living the same lifestyle as them, how are you going to convince them of anything? Doesn't mean that I have nothing to do with unbelievers. I do. I'm obligated, and the Bible says I'm obligated to share the gospel with unbelievers. I go out to all sorts of places. I go around the world. I get up and I preach the gospel. I want to tell you one thing I do. I make it very plain. That's, you know, this is what I believe is if you don't like it, lump it. I sit amongst people uh, uh, and they, they get shocked. They said, you see everything in black and white. You, you know, I'm not talking of race. I'm talking of uh, thing that there's right and there's wrong, black and white, huh. true and false. There's a tree of life. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's a first Adam. There's a second Adam. There's Satan. There's God. There's light. There's darkness. Belief, unbelief. There's always the contrast. But you see, I, I, I believe it's, it's that simple. The gospel isn't complicated. You either walk God's way or you live like a devil. But you can't be in both camps. There's sweet water, bitter water. There's holy, unholy. There's righteousness, unrighteousness. There's no kind of, oh, grey area. 
You know, well, there's, there's, there's this grey... There isn't a grey area. Things are either right or they're wrong. That's it. Ah, yeah, but you've got to know the circumstances. Why? If something's wrong, it's wrong. That's it. That's what I believe. Kids don't want to grow up not knowing what's right and wrong. They need to know what's right and wrong, don't they? We need to teach them, don't we? This is right, this is wrong. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Matthew 28, verse 16. Look at the command. And this is a command of the apostles. Some 500 people saw him at this time. The eleven went away. Matthew 28, 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now who has all power? Jesus. There is no power in heaven or earth that Jesus doesn't have in his hand. That means the devil has no power. If Jesus has all power, the devil has no power. Don't ever start this idea the devil's got power. Jesus has already been given all power. He said so. This is the resurrected Christ coming and he tells his disciples, I've got all power. It's been given to me in heaven and in earth. That's why I don't need to march round a city and claim it for God. It belongs to him already. I don't need to fight spiritual powers over cities. Jesus already has all power. Was given him. And all authority 2,000 years ago. Goes on. When they saw him they worshipped him. But some doubted. Jesus spake unto them and said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations. First thing you need to teach them is Jesus has all power. In heaven and earth. I wonder why it is that the church has got such a big devil and such a small God. I wonder why it is the church seems to represent, you've got these stories, you know, there's principalities over this city, there's that, and they want to come and they want to world map and march and prayer, and prayer windows and 2040. Jesus already has all power. Don't need to battle for him. He's already got everything. He says, go. Therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And though I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world, glory to God, God is with me. Amen? Unto the end of the world. All power's given to him, I'm on the victory side. Hmm? That's it. Uh, turn round and tell people that the devil and spirits have power when Jesus has all power. And Jesus lives in us. 
The only power he's got is over the children of disobedience. But you're not disobedient, are you? Because you've been taught to obey. Hmm? Isn't that right? And when you're taught to obey, why? You're free. The truth sets you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And he gives us an obligation to go and share with everyone, tell everyone the good news. Jesus has conquered the devil. Jesus has overcome all the power of the enemy. We've got a God who's a mighty saviour, a mighty Lord. We're to teach all nations this. Mark 16 verse 15. Mark 16. Verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Look, it's to do with whether a person's going to accept the gospel or not. If they don't accept it, they're damned. Not because you damn them, they're damned because they refuse to believe in the Son of God. And that's what we're to teach. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16 1 Corinthians 9 16 I hope you bought your Bible to turn the pages 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16 For though I preach the gospel I have nothing to glory of For necessity is laid upon me Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that, when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not the power, my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews... I became as a Jew, that I may gain the Jews. And to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. And to them that are without the law, as without law. Now look very carefully at what is in parenthesis. Being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ. See, there's a lot of liberalism that says all things are lawful. When we go out, we don't alienate ourselves from people by offending them unnecessarily when it's not against God. I remember years ago when I was taking a house party, there was a Buddhist couple there, lovely couple. Lived a holy life according to their light. I spent some time with them, with my wife. We walked out one day and I said to them, you know, we're talking about Christian things. They meditated, they, they, were, they were devout Buddhists. I said, you know, there's one thing that is different between you and me to the young man. He was a lovely man at university. Uh, it was a university house party. I said, there's one difference between you and me. He said, what's that? I said, you have a conflict within. You know what's right, you know what to, you should do, and your conscience tells you and condemns you inside, and there's a conflict inside you 
all the time in life, isn't there? And he said, yeah. And I said, that's the difference. In a Christian, we don't have any inner conflict. I've got perfect peace with God because Jesus came in and broke the power of sin and set me free. I said, I don't have an inner conflict. I'm at peace. And he looked at me and said, that's not fair. I said, yeah. I said, fat Buddha is buried. My Jesus is alive. He lives in me. They became Christians. I didn't go to fight. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to fight them. You go to a Jew. Thank God they believe the Bible, the Old Testament. I tell you what, I can very quickly win them. If they're devout. Why? Because miracles and healings and deliverance, are, are, you can't argue with. When I went amongst the Muslims, I found this. They, they can talk about Muhammad, but when they see miracles, Muhammad's useless. Why? Miracles are the answer. And you know, they'd look. <laughs> when they saw it, see blind eyes open. I remember in Bulgaria, there was one woman came in, born, you know, she'd always been blind. When she received her eyes and received sight, I mean, that, that ended the Buddhist argument. Mammy doesn't do that. Jesus does. Hey, we've got a powerful gospel. It's good news, isn't it? Jesus comes to set the prisoner free. We're people of freedom. They're people of bondage. Religion's bondage. But, you see, it doesn't mean that I abandon all the law. It doesn't mean there are no rules. Oh, no. Paul, when he mentioned it, he said, look, to people without the law, I'm, I, I come as though I'm without the law, but when I get among them, I let them know there's a law of God. There's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets me free from the law of sin and death. That's what I'm free of. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker thereof with you. Let me tell you something. I, I, I believe in becoming all things to all men. I'm a bishop. For years I fought being a bishop. The Archbishop Benson Hose used to say, you've got to become a bishop. I don't want to be a bishop. Why not? Well, because of the disgrace of the bishops in Britain. It would be a shame to be called a bishop. I argued with him. I gave him every reason. There came a day I went over to a conference and I discovered he put it on the, all the boards all around the place that I was going to become a bishop. I complained to him. He sat me down and he said, listen, you don't know what doors it'll open to you. And I didn't. I was consecrated a bishop. It changed my life. It opened doors that would never have opened any other way in many nations. Does it mean I'm any different? Not at all. If I could win people to Christ preaching in my underpants, I would. <laughs> but I want to assure you, I've seen myself in my underpants. I wouldn't win anyone that way. 
And even in Marks and Spencer's underpants. You wouldn't win someone. But you put on a, <laughs> you put on a bishop shirt and all of a sudden there's a difference. People suddenly think you know what you're talking about. Doesn't mean you do. Suddenly they, they, they look at you and it's different. It has some funny moments. I was in a lift in Australia and this woman, you know, she, she looked at my shirt and purple shirt and she said, oh father, you know. And in another place, the woman wanted to say, do you mind if I kiss your ring? Now that, I found a little, you know, I said, I do. Um, bless her. Superstition. It was embarrassing when I was over in um, Pebble Beach. I, I got a phone call, I probably told you, I got a phone call at 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I went and answered the phone, couldn't understand who'd be ringing me at Pebble Beach at that time. What? Palm Springs, Pebble Beach, Palm Springs, that's right. Um, or Pebble Beach, where Tiger won the PGA, yeah that's right. Palm Springs. Um, I was in Palm Springs and I pick up the phone and, it, it, I, and you know I, I said hello and I said this is sister so-and-so from and you know it was some hospital um, father said could you come and give the last rites to a patient I said um, I'm sorry I'm a visitor she said you're not father Joe I said no I'm not I said, um, I'm from England, I, I'm a minister. She said, well, can you come and give the last rites? I said, I'm a bishop. She said, well, the person needs a Catholic. I said, I'm not a Catholic, I'm a Christian. Oh, she said, no, he wants a Catholic. <laughs> now I was tempted to go. Apart from the fact it was one o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't have known how to get to wherever it was. There was this place where a person was dying and I thought I'd have gone and rebuked death. They'd have got the first right. The only right I know about, Jesus heals. <sighs> I didn't pretend, but it's interesting, isn't it? You get into funny situations. Catholic priest was happy to loan me his um, villa, providing I paid for it, um, loan me his villa and um, because he, he, he liked the idea it was a bishop who was staying in it. It was a funny place, it was quite nice really. Except, he, you know, the one thing was awkward was he only had a four foot six bed because he was a Catholic priest in Palm Springs. But I, I, I wore a dog collar. Why? Because I found it opened doors. That is alright. But I'll tell you what I won't do. I won't compromise my beliefs. Dress doesn't matter. If they want me to wear a mitre, who cares? It's not a hat of Dagon, it's just a mitre. Uh, if they want me to wear robes, I wear robes, I, I don't mind. If I can win them to Jesus Christ, I'm happy. But I'm very careful, it doesn't mean I'm going to compromise with sin.
doesn't mean I'm going to believe the wrong thing. No way. Uh, they know exactly what I believe. And that's what Paul's saying. He's not saying you become all things to all men and you compromise your lifestyle. No, sir. John 10, verse 1, says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, there's not any way to get in but by the right way, the door. You're going to get in. You can't come into Christ, but come in the right way. Straight is the gate, narrow the way, few there be that find it. It is not any good turning round and pretending there are many ways to come to God. There's just one way. Okay? John chapter 2 verse 23 Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. There are many people that become believers when they see miracles. This church, we advertise miracles. Come and see and God does miracles. Seen tremendous miracles of healing, miracles of deliverance. But I want to tell you something. Goes on. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any man should testify of man for he knew what was in man. Now just because a man believes in miracles doesn't mean he's believing in God to change his lifestyle. A lot of people can come because of miracles but the real thing is you've got to change your lifestyle, you've got to change the way you live. You've got to live like Jesus lived. Hear me. There are a lot of people who go to these big conferences where these healers are. What worries me is they don't change their lifestyles. They want a miracle. No lifestyle change. You've got to have a total change. You become part of the living church of God on earth. You belong. Part of the family. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Says this in verse 2. Isaiah 53 verse 2. You need a good authorised version when you come here. Isaiah 53 verse 2 For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness and when we see, we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He had no form nor comeliness. Verse 2 of Isaiah 53 There is no beauty that we should desire him. When Jesus came to earth there was no natural beauty there was nothing that made people draw to Jesus. Nothing. So often they, they want to portray him as something, no, no, there was no natural beauty. Goes on, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. You know, there's a lot of people, if they find Christians are despised, they'll hide themselves away. They're ashamed of shame. They don't want to identify with something that's ridiculed. 
Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you know the problem with mankind is turned away from God? That's the only problem. Got to turn back. All we like sheep have gone astray. Turned every man to his own way. How many times I hear people say, I know I'll come my way. Your way won't get you there. You have to come his way on his terms. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is bored as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his she her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That, that's the gospel. That's the truth. Jesus died for you and me, took my sin and your sin. That's the simplicity of it all. Nothing made him attractive. Do you believe that? That's what saves you. Nothing else. That's what transforms you. Nothing else. John 15 verse 18 says this, If the world hate you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. The one thing you've got to realise is if the world hates you, you're in good company. It hated him. And if the world loves you, you're in trouble. Hear me. I'll repeat it. If the world hates you, you're in good company. It hated him. If the world loves you, you're in trouble. Is that plain? If the world loves you, you're in trouble. Because the world loves his own. I find people who are so friendly in the world, they're in trouble. The world loves his own. But, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, one thing about it, the world's going to hate us. Amen? If Jesus chose us out of the world, the world's going to hate us. The people that want to go the world's way, they hate us. 
That's it. Don't ever think you can become friends with them. If you become friends with them, you're of them. They'll hate you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. If you've kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Look, you can't win people to Jesus Christ by friendship. Don't ever, ever let this dirty doctrine from hell get hold of you that says, befriend them. Ha! The world hates you! And if the world loves you, it's because you belong to it. Now that's Jesus speaking. Now either he's right or he's wrong. Is it true? The world hates us. Why? Because we're there like salt. We're there like light. There's no way the world can love us. No way. Why? Because everything they do, we challenge. We're there to say, hey, that's wrong. When you do that and you live that way, I'll tell you what, the world hates it. Who are you to judge? Oh, so you're so holy and so good, are you? Yes! That's not the way we live. People ask me why we started a school. I tell them I didn't want my kids to grow up as pink-haired left-wingers. I love my children. I made a decision for Jesus. It's going to be for my family. That's, that's the way it is. I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh dear, that's Romans chapter 1. Go on, Romans chapter 1, quickly, last scripture. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Do you know the gospel is a wonderful thing? It's the power of God. It's not Holy Ghost. It's gospel. You know what worries me? Today they talk more of the Holy Ghost and they leave Jesus out. Jesus is the Saviour. Jesus is the Healer. Jesus is the one who rose from the dead. Jesus is the one who shed his blood. And yet I find the Charismatics want to exclude Jesus and lift up the Holy Ghost. That shows it's devilish because the Holy Ghost didn't come to speak of himself. He came to take the things of Jesus and reveal them to us. I'm a Pentecostal. I believe in all the gifts and power of the Spirit. Yes, I speak in tongues. Yes, I believe in deliverance. Yes, I believe in all the gifts. But I'll tell you this. 
There's only one Saviour, his name is Jesus. There's only one who shed his blood, his name is Jesus. There's only one who's risen from the dead, his name is Jesus. And I'm called to preach Christ. The good news of the Gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. Trouble is they've perverted it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek Romans 10 verse 14 How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard and shall, how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said Lord who hath believed our report so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God hey every one of us has got to preach the gospel the only hope for anyone is gospel good news the gospel, the good news, Jesus bled and died for you and me he can set you free, he can heal your body, he can deliver your soul he can turn everything around, he can change your life in a second everything can be different if you don't preach that you're no friend of anyone Romans 10 verse 9 if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart man believeth into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation what we have to do is we have to let people hear how shall they hear without a preacher I'll tell you what's happened to the church the church has forgotten what the gospel is the church has forgotten the simplicity of the gospel they've forgotten that the whole crux of man's need is sin he needs deliverance from it they've forgotten that the whole thing that perverts man is alienation from God we're coming to them and saying be reconciled to God you can through Jesus Christ we're saying, hey, the reason your life's a mess, the reason your body's a mess, the reason your family's a mess, is you're alienated from God. Now God's sent his son to reconcile you. We're given this ministry of reconciliation as ambassadors of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We want to tell you it can all be different. And so we come with a glorious gospel which is the power of God unto salvation we say it can be different from today the devil's a liar he's got no power all power's been given to our Jesus got no authority all authority is given to our Jesus we're here to tell the world there's a God who loves you but we're not here to make friends with them we're not here to be party to their lifestyle, their antics, their ways, their views, their values we believe in Jesus we lift him up and that is really where evangelism comes in every one of us is called to be an evangelist don't ever think it's some special thing, it's not 
But you can't evangelize, it's useless you going and talking if you don't live. It's useless you going and wor wording, mouthing the words and, and speaking if it's not your life. And it's useless if you live like the world and then you tell people there's deliverance from it. Because how will they know when they know you haven't been delivered? If they see you living to the same extent as they are, with the same values as they are, how are they going to know to change lifestyle? And there's a lot of Christians out there who, for instance, it says in my Bible that if you want to be part of the ministry, you better make sure you rule your own house well. If your kids aren't an example, forget it. You've no right to speak. Shut your mouth. Sort your kids out. That's the Bible. I happen to believe it. It's no good saying to people, well, it's this when you live that. What you are and what you say has got to join together, hasn't it? Hmm? That's why you can't be a friend of the world. If the world love you, it's because you belong there. If you're happier with people in the world and fellowshipping with people in the world, it's because that's where you belong. I'm not. I, I enjoy the people of God. I find the people in the world just bore me to death. <laughs> There's nothing in common with them. What can you say to someone who's in the world? Their views, their values, what they are, what they think, I've got nothing in common. Nothing. Why? Because I love Jesus. And everyone has to make that choice. Simple choice. To be like Jesus. Simple way. And you see, that's the most complicated thing of all. People say, oh no, you don't understand, you know. You've got to go out there and show them friendship. I can't be friends with them. I'm a friend of God. I don't want the world to love me. I really believe the Bible. Do you? This morning, if God were to come meet you face to face, and He's here. I know he's here, he lives in me. Could you say, Lord, I made my choice. I made my choice. The world has no attraction to me. Nothing. I can't be a friend of what I hate. Of course they hate me. 
part of the package. Who cares? That's Christianity. Please understand me. You can't have a foot in both camps. If you run with a common herd, you'll find straight is the gate and narrow the way. Few there be that find it. And it's such a wonderful way to know God the Father and to know His Son Jesus Christ. To be in fellowship with Him. To love Him. That's the most wonderful way of all. The other way is not worth having. The way of the world. You know, broad is the path that leads to destruction. And it's amazing how many people go the broad way because the narrow way they feel is too restrictive. They say, no, 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 it's just that wide. But I want to tell you, I, I prefer the narrow way. There was a day I fell in love with Jesus. And everything changed. I, I, I don't have any desire to be in the world. There's nothing the world can have that would entice me. I'm not interested. Really not interested. But I'll tell you one thing I know. The simplicity of the gospel. Jesus bled and died on the third day, rose again from the dead. He took your sin and my sin into his own body on the tree. No, you're not. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Some of you, you made a big mistake. If you don't lose your life, you won't keep it. You've got to lay it down. You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. There's no compromise. You've got to be of one heart, one mind and one spirit with your brethren. You've got to be in unity. If you can't walk in unity with the brethren, you don't belong. You just don't belong. If you're always at variance with what's preached, what's said, it's because you don't belong. See, in Acts 2, they were of one heart and one mind and one soul. That's the way it is. One goal, one purpose. One law, one faith. 